Hey everyone, it is Triple Play Fantasy. We are the Fantasy Football Show. Getting you ready for week two, so stick around and let's have some fun. everyone i am your host zach at ff super jet batman i am joined today by the great doc at triple a fantasy and the wonderful brad sir brad bk how are you doing guys football is back i've been waiting to do these shows with you fellas How's how your come team he gets that? how come eric gets to be great and i'm only wonderful i feel like wonderful is better than great i i was gonna say i think wonderful is better than great i don't know if you'd say yeah he's a wonderful player and then you say oh he's a great player I didn't call him the greatest. So. All right, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Oh, but, man, what a crazy week one. Uh, yeah, man. And I love how – I feel like every year we're always just like, oh, week one, this is insane. Like, I've never seen so many injuries. I've never seen this. I'm like, But it does feel really weird this year. Um, so I kind of want to jump right into what were your guys' one biggest takeaway from week one? Right, you go first. I'm, I'm going to – Give it to the great one first. For me, and I know that this was yesterday, I don't think that we've ever seen a hyped-up beginning with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets and for it to end so quickly. Like, I, I can't remember something that has this level of anticipation and we've just seen it dissipate so quickly. And, and I mean, shout-out to the Jets that won that game. But, like... Just hearing reports today that the coaches haven't slept, that it still feels like a dream to them, that they literally have no answers and that they're as shocked as us, yet they're the ones that are in charge. That's just astonishing to hear. And for Aaron Rodgers, I do think he comes back, but there's a real chance he doesn't. And for his career to end like that four snaps into the Jets' tenure when he's played 18 years with Green Bay is just crazy. For me, it was... I think there's a tremendous amount of parity in this league this year. Um, we're looking at teams like the Rams and the Cardinals, who I thought would be dead horrible, dead horrible. And the Rams eked out a win, and the Cardinals almost beat Washington. And then you look at the, a team like the Chiefs and a team like the Eagles, who I thought would be runaway favorites to, to just take everything this year. And the Chiefs lost, and the Eagles barely held on to a win in the Patriots, uh, a win in New England. So... Um, I, I think all these games are going to be a lot closer than we think. We're not going to see a lot of 40 nothing blowouts like we saw with Giants, Cowboys. I think we're going to see a lot of parity, a lot of close games, and um, that's going to make for some some fun gambling, some some taking some good spreads. Absolutely. I think my biggest takeaway I'm going to focus on fantasy football is don't overreact to week one, but then also don't underreact, which sounds really counterintuitive. It makes no sense, but it's – Every year we get so much into like, oh, this player went off. Like, who was it um, for the Cowboys? Kevin Ogletree. Ogletree. Yeah. Like, he has an amazing week one, and then we've never heard of him again, except for when we break up. Remember that one time in week one? So it's just one of those things of like Puka Nakua, we'll talk about him later, but like, he could be great or he could be a, a one week wonder. We, 
that's what we need to figure out. But I, I'm I all feel like everyone that. freaks out. If, if you're 0-1 right now in your league and you're like, oh, my God, my season's ruined. This one guy got hurt. Like, there's so much season left. It's gonna Everything that's happened in week one, it's going to be the opposite in week two. It takes like a good four weeks, I would say, until we really have any sense of like a trend. And even then, we might not even know. So um, that's fair. I would to say, your let's point, pump the brakes on, on some, some overreaction. To, to your point, Zach, I do agree because something like T. Higgins, you're like, he's not going to get zero again. He had eight targets. But at the same time, someone like Cam Akers, who had 22 carries for 29 yeah. yards, and Kyron Williams had 15 carries for 52 yards, and just from the eye test, looked like a better running back. That one I don't think is an overreaction. Well, like that, that, T. that Higgins, I think is an appropriate. Well, T. Higgins had eight targets, and he's talented. We are, we've already seen him be good. I mean, Devontae Smith last year, week one, zero for zero for zero, finished wide receiver nine. Uh, Carson Wentz yeah. was QB three in week one. He didn't finish the season. So, like, <laughs> things, things change real quick in the NFL. So that's, that's my big takeaway. That's fair. That's fair. So I didn't want to start off with the negative first, which is why we did takeaways first. But we got to talk about some injuries. And I will say we're not going through every injury in the NFL because this show would be going until tomorrow. Um, we're just going to talk about just a couple and trying to then have a little discussion around some fantasy football with it. So the first one is unfortunately J.K. Dobbins, who just came back from an injury about a year and a half ago, uh, bounced back last year and then is back this year, unfortunately, towards Achilles. He's done for the season, possibly his career. Even if he's not done for his career, I don't think he'll ever be the same again, which is unfortunate. So do you, from a fantasy perspective, do you want any Ravens running back at this point? We have Edwards. We have was it Hill. We might have Gordon. They could pick up Hunt, Fournette. Who knows? Um, do you want anybody? I do. I, uh, I just wrote about this in uh, my uh, running back streamers article on uh, FantraxHQ.com. Uh, that's a little plug there, but um, I really like Gus Edwards. Um, he's never run for under five yards per carry in his entire career uh, over the course of a season. Um, he's just never got the opportunity to be the full workhorse back. Um, this past weekend, we saw Justice Hill get in the end zone for two touchdowns, but um, Edwards still took eight carries for 30 yards. And I think at the end of the day, you know, Justice Hill can run through tackles. He can run in between the tackles. He can be a you know an every down back, but that's not how the Ravens have ever used him, and they're not going to start now. I think Gus Edwards is far and away the RB one to own. Um, there could be an, a, an argument made that Lamar Jackson's always the RB one, and that's that. You don't need to own any running backs, but I think if you like J.K. Dobbins and you were going to own J.K. Dobbins, you should own Jake. You should own Gus Edwards. Hard disagree. All right, let me hear it. Justice Hill was the one that fell into the end zone twice. Eight carries for nine yards with a long of four. So if you take that out, seven carries for five yards. But they trusted him with goal line work. Gus Edwards, eight for 32 carries. Or eight carries, 32 yards. And Brad, I hear your point about never rushing for under five yards per carry. But that was prior to his ACL tear. And he didn't have breakaway speed before. He was a very north-south runner. He came back last year. Yeah, and he had a a limited sample size. But it was over five yards per carry. but let's see it for an entire season. Right. Now you're now now you're going to have a new offense that doesn't run as much because Todd Munkin is in, Greg Roman is out, That's so true. you're going to pass it more with Lamar. Lamar probably had the most weapons that he ever has. Zay Flowers looks like the real deal. I do think Gus Edwards is probably the RB one on the team. I don't think he's a Dobbins replacement. I think if you lost Dobbins, 
or if you're held, if you drafted Jonathan Taylor early, he's probably a guy that you're going to target that you don't have to spend a crazy amount on a fab on, but that's as far as I would go. I will say, uh, doc, I respect the point. Either one of us could be right. It's just, you know, a matter of seeing what happens, but, um, I will say that there's one thing that I would not do if they pick up, you know, Kareem hunt, Leonard Fournette, bring up Melvin Gordon, regardless all of them would take usage away from Justice Hill. I don't think they become a running back to own. I think it's Gus Edwards or nothing. I do think if Kareem Hunter, Leonard Fournette are free agent in your league, you pick them up because yes. running backs are going to go down like flies this year. You pick them up, but not for that offense. Yeah. Uh, so I think it, from what I'm getting from this is pick up whoever you want from the Ravens. Don't expect too much. Don't pay too much fab or high exactly. waiver. Yes. Uh, high waiver order. All right. And, Perfect. And I think this needs to be said. Don't blow all of your fab week one feeling like you have to get one of these guys. It's okay if you're one and oh to maybe throw a couple bucks here and there, but to hold, you know, waivers clear tomorrow and you can get people for free. Yep. Although all I right. am a big Puka Nakua guy. So I, I will <laughs> say you can spend a lot of fab on him. We'll be getting to him. Don't you worry. Uh, so the next injury, if you guys aren't watching Monday Night Football, you're missing an insane game. Uh, what a roller coaster, crazy ending as well. But unfortunately, it started with what, the fourth snap of the Jets game of Rodgers' career with the Jets towards Achilles. He's out for the season. We don't know what his future holds. However, we do know he won't be playing for the Jets this season. So how do we feel about the Jets' weapons now? So Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, um, I mean – Looking even at Dalvin Cook, uh, really, you weren't really kind of on it. Probably anybody else too much, but I think Garrett Wilson's probably the, the one that hurts the most. I don't think anyone really worries about Alan Lazard, but how, how should we feel about, about the Jets moving forward? I mean, you downgrade them, but are you going to really sell them at this cost now? Everybody's going to know that their value is tanked. Zach Wilson, I don't think, is going to be as awful as people think. I do think... He, he's probably playing with a little bit more confidence. He knows that this is his last shot to prove that he's a starting uh, uh, QB caliber in this league. But, I mean, you're kind of just holding true unless you can get a really good offer. I I don't even think this might be his last shot. Um, I think in terms of downgrading anybody, I – you could make the argument that there's going to be more of an emphasis on the rushing game. So Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook probably stay where they are. Um, and that's if there's not confidence in Zach Wilson. If there is confidence in Zach Wilson, um, Garrett Wilson was a beast last year with, with Zach Wilson at quarterback. And I, I, I just, I think a, a wide receiver one like him is always going to get targets and, and opportunities is, is the name of the game in fantasy. So um, I, I think if you have Garrett Wilson, Obviously, you felt better about it if Aaron Rodgers was throwing him the ball, but you know I could I could make the argument that you know the game script's going to be more in favor of the passing game now because they're going to be down in the fourth quarter most likely. Um, I just I I think you probably owned only Garrett Wilson and you probably owned only Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook, and all those three people will still have pretty much the same role. Um, so I I don't think the downgrade's necessary now. If you have Lazard or or Randall Cobb for some reason, I then I take a downturn. That I, I probably don't need to own them. They're probably straight up drops because you couldn't trade uh, for either of those guys. So, um, but if you have the big three, I, I think you can you can still feel confident. 
Yeah, I don't, I think you're right. You're not going to trade Garrett Wilson, or at least not unless you're getting some crazy, crazy deal for him. I would say you probably have to not expect as much of a ceiling from him now. And maybe instead of trading him, obviously, maybe you need to make some other adjustments on your roster to maybe get some more boom-bust wide receivers to kind of balance. He might be more of a wide receiver, too, that you're hoping for now. And maybe you need to add someone like, for example, not that I'm a biggest fan of him, but he is boom-bust when he's healthy. is like a Christian Watson. Maybe his value is a little down right now while he's injured. Get him on your roster, slot him into one of your wide receiver spots. And when he hits, he's going to help you win that week. And if he doesn't hit, it is what it is. But at least he gives you that opportunity to win that week. So maybe something like that where you need to make some roster adjustments. You're not doing anything with Garrett Wilson now. All right. So the next one, running back Austin Eckler. So we don't have a lot of information on this one. It's an ankle injury. Looked like he got hurt um, a little bit earlier in the game. Maybe like third quarter. Came out. Came back in. Um, but we did see a lot of run from Joshua Kelly. So we don't know what's going on with Eckler right now. It's not season ending that we're expecting anything like that. He could miss a week. Might not miss anything. How much fab are you putting out there for Joshua Kelly? I'd say about 7%, which is, I think is higher than most. The one thing is Austin Eckler is pretty upfront and honest about just where he is in his contract situation. There was rumors that he was going to hold out. Joshua Kelly, 16 carries for 91 yards. I think Eckler knows that he's an impending free agent, and for every injury that he gets compounded in, he could potentially lose out on a payday. I mean, look what just happened with J.K. Dobbins. You know, the running backs, uh, you know, sat in the offseason and had a Zoom meeting of how are they going to increase their value. So it wouldn't surprise me if Eckler with an ankle injury says, you know what, I'm going to take a couple weeks off. I'm going to wait till I'm 100 percent. A little plug of myself, me and him are connected on LinkedIn and he's looking at other (laughs) entrepreneurial opportunities. So whatever entrepreneurial opportunity he has, he's not going to make more than he makes in the NFL. Um, I, I think he's. He's pretty uh, uh, head fast and wanting to, to get his numbers up. And the best way to get paid as a, as a running back is to have high productivity when you see guys like Christian McCaffrey and Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley and all those guys. So um, I think all those gonna... guys, two of them didn't get two of them were free agents this offseason didn't get paid. They got they got paid to the point where they played. They, they're they, not got holding a, out. they got a, They got a franchise tag. Yeah. And it's like 10 million, 12 million or something like that. That's fine. It's a marathon, not a sprint. For a running back, it's a sprint. Don't sprint too fast. Jonathan Taylor is playing the marathon game. And it's not looking good for him. It's looking like he's apparently he's healthy. He was going to pass a physical right now, but he still got put on the pup list. Like He's trying to get traded, and he doesn't have the value. Even if Jonathan Taylor sits out the entire year, it's the right move. You think so? Absolutely. He's coming off of a down year, though. Like What? when when you talk about like everybody's going to use the Le'Veon Bell situation, and Zach, I know we're getting off off script here. Le'Veon Bell got more guaranteed money from the Jets than he did from the Steelers. Is when that's what he was looking for. So if Le'Veon Taylor, Bell is miles ahead of where Jonathan Taylor is. Jonathan Taylor has less wear and tear than Le'Veon Bell did when he got paid. But also, and, less the, and the salary cap has gone up. Also, less productivity though. Like I, I. Just, I care less takes, about wear and tear if it's a bad if it's not as good a running back as Le'Veon Jonathan Bell Taylor led the league in rushing a couple of years two ago. years ago yeah last year he did not last right. year he had 800 yards that's still pretty damn good but it's not I'm not paying 12 million for it I'm just one team has to Gus Edwards right. can go get me 800 yards Gus Edwards is not getting 800 yards but 
Oh, ooh. Let's but but we can talk about wait, James. Wait, 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 wait. Let's make a little a little water bed here. I bet you I, Gus I will ever gets enough yards this year. Done. Easy. Oh I think he's a thousand yard rusher for sure. Oh I'll take gosh. it. I'll be nice and still take the eight hundred. Yeah, I'll, right, Zach, sorry. I'm with you. I'm with you. This is <laughs> easy right. money. All right, all right. It's I'll on. put in the show notes. Um, but we'll talk about Jonathan Taylor for sure. Week four, getting ready for week five because we'll see if he's coming back or not. But back to the original point, though, Joshua Kelly, how much fab are we putting on him? Uh, for me, it, it's nothing. I, I it's Austin Eckler or Austin Eckler or bust. Um, and that and that team, I, I just think he's so dynamic. He's so big a part of what they do in terms of their offense. Not even just you know productivity. It's just you know flexing him out wide or um, having him flash as a blocker and then go out for a little a little st- uh, stream route up the middle. Like he, he just does so much for that offense. If he's not there, there's an extra dynamic you don't need to worry about. Um, I uh, Joshua Kelly's a great runner. Um, but I think he's a great runner because of Austin Eckler. I think once you get to a point where you're putting four, five, six in the box because you don't have to worry about Eckler flashing out, I, I, I don't think we see those big five, six, seven-yard rushes that, that Kelly's so uh, well-known for now. I think he's more of a, a thunder to Eckler's lightning, and I I'll, I'll pass on that, but it, he's he's definitely a good running back. I'll admit that, but I, I just I think Eckler is a big part of what he does. You put any money down, Doc, for a fab? I told seven percent on Joshua Kelly. I think that's 7%. fair. All right, love high it. scoring offense. Just scored thirty four points in a loss. Yep, no, I, I definitely he's a target for me for for fab um, for waivers this week. I want to get to this question from our buddy NBA Rig. So, uh, rank- shout out NBA Rigs. I'm one and zero in his league right now. By the way, perfect. Oh, we'll see if we can make it two and zero after this. So, how would you rank these three quarterbacks rest of season? We got Russell, Dangerous Wilson, Jordan Love, and Geno Smith. You want to go first, Eric? If if Aaron Jones is healthy, I would say Jordan Love first, and this is the reason why I don't have Geno because that offensive line looked awful against the Rams. And I think that's how more teams are going to play Seattle is they'll just be physical up front, maybe send some blitzes. But I'll go Geno, Jordan Love, Russ. I, I mimic that. I go Geno, Jordan Love, Russ. Slightly different reason. Um, I value the consistency in, in offensive coordinators and play calling over a lot. And of those, those three, um, Geno Smith is the one with the same coordinator that he had last year. When he was coming off of a like thirty touchdown, nine interception, or something like that year, um, where we just saw that Geno Smith can not only be a starting quarterback, but an upper tier starting quarterback in this league, um, and they, he also has the best weapons out of those three. Um, when you look at Lockett and Jigba and DK Metcalf, so um, I, I definitely like, and he's also probably going to throw forty times a game. So I, I like Geno Smith more than, than the other, other two. But the other two is kind of a toss-up. Russ looked pretty good yesterday. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you guys in the order. I think, for me, I need to see Love play more against better competition. No offense to the Bears. That's a terrible defense. Um, so let's see him with some pressure, how he performs. But he had a great week one, which, which you love to see from Love. And we'll skip the last injury update. It was just Deontay Johnson. Not a big deal. Hopefully he's back in a few weeks. I want to talk about our favorite underdogs for week two based on DraftKings lines. 
So I put them in our show notes. I'm not going to read all through through all of them. But uh, Brad, who's your favorite underdog for this week? So not only do would I take the spread, but I also love them to win outright. Um, Vikings plus seven over the Eagles. Uh, we got Thursday night Vikings. football. Thursday night football. We got the Vikings coming off of a, a very surprising loss. They're in position for a bounce back game. And I spoke about it earlier. I I love when we see consistency from a team. Um, they have the same offensive coordinator, same head coach as they did last year when their offense was really rolling and they added Jordan Addison, they added TJ Hawkinson. I think we'll see them play a lot better than they did last week. Um, and then we got the Eagles who lost Shane Steichen off of a you know a historic offensive year um, from them last year. So they have a new offensive coordinator coming off of a week where they couldn't score. I don't think they scored a touchdown in the second half, um, the Eagles against the Patriots last week. Um, I know it was kind of rainy and it's no about that defense, but Jalen Hurts is an elite quarterback. A.J. Brown's elite. Devonta Smith's elite. Um, you would expect them to be able to to put up more points, and they were just a really stagnant offense. I don't know what's going on in their running back committee. They got they had Rashad Penny as a as a uh, a healthy scratch last week, and that's you know who who knows what it'll be like this week. Gainwell looked good. I like that. I called Gainwell to to as somebody you should own, but um, in terms of you know actual real life offense, real life points, having a dynamic running back like Rashad Penny as a healthy scratch seems strange to me. I think they're still figuring things out. I could see Vikings winning that one. All right. How about you, Doc? Who's your favorite underdog? I would go Jags plus three versus the Chiefs in Jacksonville. I think Kansas City is a really good team, but I think Jacksonville got a lot better this offseason. And Chris Jones is back, but he might be on a limited snap count. And I say might because Nick Bosa sat two snaps the first half after missing the entire training camp. So you never know how prepared these guys are. But I think for the Chiefs, are you worried about anyone besides Travis Kelsey? And Travis Kelsey likely won't be at 100%. So it wouldn't surprise me if they blitz Mahomes, if they bracket Kelsey and they let somebody else beat them. And that Jacksonville offense looked good. 31 points last week. They gave up a picks or um, a defensive touchdown, but the, the defense didn't look too bad. I know it was to a rookie quarterback, but I think Jacksonville wants to start hot out of the gate. I can't remember the last time they were 2-0, and and I think – this would be a really good statement victory for them. So I think they're also, very, very motivated. Also, Jags, same offensive coordinator, Chiefs, new one. Yep, and I, I'm shocked that they get, they're get they getting three points at home. Um, yeah. What the Chiefs look like, um, I, I get Kelsey wasn't there, but like you said, we don't know if he's he's there. I put the wrong I like that one pick a in, lot, Eric. in the show sheet. That was also my pick as well. I can't read lines, but uh, I agree. <laughs> I mean, even if we can't, even if you don't want to take them out right, I mean, three points I feel like is a pretty, pretty easy one to cover. So I agree, but I like actually I could see them winning against the Chiefs at home. That offense can compete with Kansas City's offense right now because Kansas they just City's have better is, weapons. Like if yeah. you look, if you, I was telling David this because David's a Chiefs fan. I said the Chiefs have arguably the three top players at their position, the best quarterback without a doubt, probably the best tight end, and maybe the best defensive tackle second to Aaron Donald. Other than that, that's a mids team. It's replacement yeah. players at every position. Yeah. Yep. So we'll see which of our underdogs comes through. You can head on over to DraftKings and make some bets if you want. Um, and now we're going to do urgent gambling. 
responsible. Also, also any sports book <laughs> until until they start giving us some money. That's true. We we yeah. will be sponsored by any sports book. You feel free to to talk to our people. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna go to a new segment, uh, new for the, for the season. We're gonna go with real and spectacular, or fake. So with this, I'm gonna give Greater you a prompt. wonderful. <laughs> now, that, Zach. This is by a, the way, the Seinfeld reference didn't go yeah. over my head. I, I knew you would get it immediately, Doc. This one was for you. Um, so basically, I'm gonna talk, give you a prompt about a player or a situation. You tell me if you think it's real and spectacular, or if you're gonna be calling it fake and it's it's not real. So. Pukunakua had 15 targets, went off, crazy. Everyone's talking about him. I, I feel like every time I turn on Twitter, it's the same image of that picture. It's on everyone's thumbnails. That's wonderful, great. Everyone's going to be picking him up. Is he actually real and spectacular, or is he fake? Real as hell. I, Whether it's Calvin Johnson or Cooper Cup or Pukunakua, Matt Stafford finds a target, and he sprinkles him with targets all game every week and that's what he found in the cooler he's a great route runner great hands he runs like a running back which is nuts you know just similar to cooper cooper cup uh, it's it was hard for me to like watch him and not see cooper cup a little bit but um i i was just really impressed with Nakua. he was somebody that i liked a lot coming out of college but i didn't i didn't know if he'd actually go somewhere where he would you know get a chance to to actually shine and He's he's there now with Cooper Cup's injury, so I, I think Naku is here to stay. All right. What about you, Doc? I'm gonna go real. I'll I'll hold off on the spectacular. So the Rams cap hit for Matt Stafford this year is 20 million. Then it's 49.5 million, then 50 million, and then 49.5. Case in point, they're gonna want him to throw the ball, evident by his 38 pass attempts in a game that they were actually leading all of the second half. So. As Brad said, he does like to hone in on one target there. With Nakua, he's actually somebody I got in a lot of later drafts and bigger leagues um, because I was always wary that Cooper Cup was going to be hurt. That being said, Seattle has a pretty porous pass defense, and the Rams have just owned them historically in their head-to-head matchup. But I think somebody that's going to get a solid seven to eight targets minimum a game, he might get you four for 64 and a touchdown or not, but – you know, guys like that that are coming off the waiver wire that will get some volume, I would definitely say go after. But you're probably not going to win him because there's going to be that one person that spends like 40% of their fab. And he's not worth yeah. that, in my opinion. No, I agree. I think he's real early on. If we're looking at the first quarter of the season, first few weeks, real. After that, I, I feel like he, he's going to flame out. He's fake. Um, great story. I hope he does well. I just... I need to see more than just the one, the one week wonder. So we we shall see. Um, and my next one, Tyreek Hill was talking a lot this off season, as he always does. We love to see it. He's saying he's going to get two thousand yards this season because he actually knows the offense this year, whereas last year he was basically just playing catch up. He went off in week one with two hundred fifteen yards. Uh, it felt like he was uncoverable. Tua was just slinging it all over the place. Tyreek Hill getting two thousand yards this this season. Real and spectacular or fake? Real and spectacular. And I thought that there was a chance that this happened last year. Tyreek Hill is, there is no one in the league like him. With his speed, he's become a better route runner, the way he can get jump balls. Last year, he had six games with over 140 receiving yards and four games with over 170 or over 160 receiving yards. The thing about Tyreek Hill, 
He's a threat to score an 80-yard touchdown at any point, and he had 215 yards the first game, so he's more than 10% there. The biggest thing is can he stay healthy and can Tua stay healthy? I think if both do, I think Tyreek Hill does get 2,000 yards. I think it's fake, but only because of that last fact that Doc just said. Um, the NFL has a 100% injury rate, and Tyreek Hill seems to get injured at least for a, a couple games every year, um, whether it be his hamstring, a groin, or whatever. Um, he's just not going to stay healthy for the 17 games. And either it's that or two, it doesn't stay healthy for the 17 games. So I think there's two factors that you have to – everything has to go right to get 2,000 yards in a season. I, I think it's just – it's too much to wish for when you look at Tyreek Hill's injury history and to his injury history. I'm going to say Brad is being a realist, and I appreciate it, but I'm going to have to be an optimist because I want to see him do 2,000 yards. Brad's probably right, but I'm going with real and spectacular because I just, I just want to see it. Uh, he, <laughs> I think we all agree he has the skill – and he's on the yeah. offense that can do it. Like Brad said, it's just a matter of can he stay healthy? Can the offensive line stay healthy? Can the quarterback stay healthy? And that's what it takes to hit these these crazy numbers. I get it. And the last one, real and spectacular or fake, Drake London and Kyle Pitts will be busts this year. I'm going fake. I think Kyle Pitts was a bust where you took him last year. I mean, he did have two catches for 40 yards. And I know Drake London had one target. But also look at who they were playing. They were playing the Panthers and Bryce Young's debut game where they really didn't have to pass the ball. I think that's probably going to be the most favorable game they have this year in, ter- in terms of game script where they can just run. And I think if they do have to pass, I know Mac Collins uh, had the most targets last week. But I think that Drake London and Kyle Pitts have a solid floor. Now, will they have the ceiling that we thought entering last year? Probably not but I don't think they're going to be bust because you didn't have to spend crazy draft capital to get either this year. I I couldn't agree more with Doc. I think it's fake only because I don't think any of us really expected anything out of Drake London or Kyle Pitts more than like a mid to late round selection. Um, I, and I think in order to be a bust, I got to take you high and expect a lot out of you. So um, I think they're both in tough situations with a, a quarterback that's still learning and an offense that's built to run. So I, I just I, I'm not big on um, on either of them, and I, I think they're going to have it down here. All right, I'm going to go fake. They are not bust. Uh, it's week one, like we said. I said at the top, don't overreact. I know it's uh, uh, offense that likes to run a lot. I get it, but uh, they are both so talented, and we've seen that talent that I think it'll work itself out. Now, are they going to be wide receiver one, tight end one all the time? Probably not. I get that. But um, I don't think they'll be bust. I think they will They will bounce back and recover as the season goes on. All right. So we had a couple questions. want to wrap this up. So uh, NBA Rig was asking about Tyreek Hill being one. Has he ever gone number one ADP overall? I don't think he ever has. I don't think so. Um, I think he's come close when he was with the Chiefs, but I don't think he was ever number one. And I mentioned that Antonio Brown was around at the beginning of his career when Antonio Brown was just number one all the time. So we wanted to ask us, Tyreek Hill or Antonio Brown, who is the better wide receiver and who has had the better career? And we'll say so far for Tyreek Hill since I would assume Antonio Brown's career is done, but Tyreek Hill's is not. I I would say Antonio Brown on both questions. I think Antonio Mm -hmm. Brown is not only the better wide receiver between Tyreek Hill, but you can make the argument he's one of the best of all time, like barring like a Jerry Rice 
and uh, uh, Randy Moss type of thing. So I, I'd, I'd say Antonio Brown for his career and between him and Tyreek. There was some stat, and this might not have been it directly, but Antonio Brown was like the wide receiver one and in like five out of six years. You just don't see someone that's going to dominate. I mean, it's a more of a passing league now. So, you know, you yeah. have the Justin Jefferson's, Jamar Chase's, you know, or on people that are on teams that are going to throw a lot that will get peppered with targets. That wasn't necessarily the case a decade ago when Antonio Brown dominated. So, I mean, he was, we always talk about this here. Is it Jefferson number one? Is it Jamar Chase? It was the unquestioned number one was always Antonio Brown. Yep. I would say Tyreek Hill has that like, unique special speed and we just like we don't see it like i felt like he's always open if he wants to be open he's gonna get open it's just a matter yeah. of whether the quarterback can make the throw or not um in the time that he can but antonio brown especially for his size because i remember everyone thought he was undersized obviously he had some character issues early on and then we all know about at the end but like for his size no one expected him to be what he was i mean was he drafted in the fifth round i know there was some yeah. six out of central six. michigan central michigan six. So even further back, and I know there were some issues in college, and that's why he fell a little bit too. But I mean, he was such a dynamic route runner; he could get open whenever he wanted. He didn't even need to use the speed. He had plenty of speed. He was so agile. He was so but, shifty. Mm-hmm. Like literally perfect route running. Yeah, you thought he was covered, and then he'd just pop open. So it was just insane. Like you said, it was it was all about consistency. Like he was the wide receiver one every single year. I think it was like four or five years, and like you said. We were always drafting him as a wide receiver one, and he always delivered. So when to you, me, he, he's the better career. When you look at, like, the NFL combine now and you see, like, the the shuttle, the cone drill, that's that's an Antonio Brown drill. Like, that's that's literally what he does. He gets in and out of breaks so quick, like nobody we've ever seen. Not Randy Moss, not Jerry Rice. He's probably the best route runner of all time. And it's it was a beautiful thing to watch, and it's it's sad to see how it's probably ended. Yep. All right. So with that, I don't see any more questions right now. So going forward, hop in the chat, guys. Ask us your questions. We're here to help you with any trade advice, waiver wire, um, whatever, some betting advice. We'll, we'll, we'll cover it all here with the, the, the our fantasy football show. But we are Triple Fantasy, not just football. We got baseballs winding down, getting ready to hopefully win some championships. Basketball starting right up, coming real soon. Um, I think we already put out some shows. I think we just put one out this past weekend. Uh, so we already got the gear. Or <laughs> I see the O's gear. We already got the, the content coming out. So make sure you like this video as always. We appreciate the support. But subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any of the content that's coming out because we got you covered here with Triple A Fantasy with multiple sports. So Doc and Brad, thank you all for coming on tonight. We're hoping to get Joe back next week. He, he's on the, uh, we'll come on the, the short-term IR right now, hoping to get him back real soon. Hopefully he's feeling better, but good luck in week two, guys. Hopefully you guys are going 2-0 and or 1-1 and and not 0-2, but like I said, maybe you should listen next week and we'll, we'll get you guys another <laughs> win. Have a good one, everybody.